to Opportuna Obscura. My name is Casey. And I'm Rachel. Yes. And you will notice that that is not Karen. And so for this week, as a bonus episode, we have a guest of Rachel. That's a little awkward saying. We have our guest, Rachel. (laughs) I'm so honored to be here. Yes. Who has been a listener of the podcast and a good friend of mine for a while. Longtime fan. Longtime fan. First time host. (laughs) So this week, I'm going to tell Rachel about Lake Lanier. Have you heard of it? I have not. Okay. Well, you're about to be a little outraged, a little creeped out, probably pretty skeptical like I was when I wrote my notes. Tell me the story. I am ready. Okay. Officially called Lake Sydney Lanier. It was established in 1956 as a reservoir in Georgia. And that is the state of Georgia for listeners and actually people in the United States as well. Not the country of Georgia. It's good to to distinguish that. Yeah. I mean, we we have like two people that listen outside of the United States. Yeah. So I, I try to I try to include them as well. <laughs> They're like, and we're not listening in anymore. Delete. <laughs> like we're done. And that was the last time I listened to Encyclopedia Obscura. Okay, so it is the largest lake in the state of Georgia, located just 42 miles north of Atlanta. And that equates to 68 kilometers. It is 26 miles long or about 42 kilometers. It has 692 miles of shoreline, which is for me as a hiker, absolutely insane. It's about 1,114 kilometers. So that's the shoreline. It has 39,000 acres of water. And I did not equate that to anything else. So I'm sorry, people are just going to have to Google that one. (laughs) And it's as deep as 211 feet or 64 meters in its deepest part. And I read in one article in my research that in comparison, that's basically like submerging the Statue of Liberty. Oh, so that's how deep, deep it gets. Yeah. The reservoir slash lake was created by the United States Army Corps of Engineers in the northern part of Georgia. And through its construction, it destroyed over 50,000 acres of farmland, displaced more than 250 families. Wonderful. Yep. Destroyed 15 businesses, forced the relocation of 20 cemeteries their corpses included, although I'll get back to the cemeteries, and submerged an entire town. And we needed this reservoir because... They needed it, one, for hydroelectric power. I think it's called hydroelectric power. Basically to power things through the dam that they built around the reservoir. And as a reservoir for Atlanta, because Atlanta was growing so much that they needed water just in case of like drought and stuff. I guess, but that's a lot of people to displace. Oh, (laughs) if you're upset, like solar power or like wind power, like another form of energy. Well, this was in 1956. So I don't know. Okay. All right. If that technology, it might, maybe, maybe the wind, probably not solar. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. But if that upset you. We're about to get into some history, like even further back in history. And this is going to make you really mad. All right. Remember I mentioned there was a town that was submerged, like an entire town. I mean, they they got the people out first before they flooded it. I think most of the people. I don't have this solid facts on that. Some people might have been. Sorry, they flooded it to like make the reservoir. Like they just dug it out and were like, this is a reservoir now. They like removed some of the buildings and removed some of the trees. But like a lot of what was there is just. They just dumped water water in. I can't. (laughs) Well, they didn't dump water. They dammed off a river and just let it fill up. Like they intentionally. Like, can you imagine? That's so sad. 
Rachel, you're going to regret joining this podcast today because it's about to get really sad. Oh, no. The town submerged was called Oscarville. And we're going to do a quick sidebar into history. So in 1912, in Oscarville, the white population of the town harassed, bullied, and even forcibly removed 98% of the black population of town. In total, they removed 1,100 local black people and basically made them homeless. Nope. This event was triggered by two crimes against two white women allegedly committed by black men. So basically, there were black men in the area of where these two crimes were committed. There was absolutely no proof that they committed these crimes, but they were accused. And this made racial tensions go like sky high. So typical. Plus, it was 1912 and the people of the area were already looking for ways to get the land of the black people who would, you know, created homesteads and were farming and doing really well and creating their own businesses and and just basically looking for something to create animosity and reasons for lynching, which I'll get to in a second. Oh, this is a very sad story. Uh, Yeah. So yeah, them being in the area was all it took for them to be accused of committing the crime. Half of the individuals who were accused were lynched. And of those who were accused, the majority did not even get trials. So some were lynched by the local population and some were lynched after they had a quote unquote trial, which really wasn't a trial. Let's be honest. The story sucks. Yeah. Don't worry. We'll get to we'll get to some weirder things after this. But I feel like Mm. it's important to tell the story of this town because this town is really fucked up and you shouldn't feel sorry about it being submerged because there's actually. I don't now. I take it back (laughs) because they kind of had it coming, in my opinion, like karma. Oh, and you remember when I said that like 98% of the Black population was driven out by the town? Well, the 2% remaining were there because they were employed by wealthy white landowners and they couldn't lose their quote-unquote employees. Of course not. Yeah. This apparently wasn't even the first time people of color were treated horribly in this town. Members of the Cherokee Nation were forcibly removed from their land there in 1830. And I know, I understand like, the phrasing's probably not great on that because the Cherokee didn't believe in like owning land at the time. Like it wasn't something they saw as something that could be bought and sold, but the white settlers did. And so they raffled off the land in a lottery, then escorted those who were already on the land at gunpoint into the, I believe it was the Trail of Tears or something similar to Mm -hmm. a reservation in Oklahoma. Awful. So yeah, fuck this town. I'm not really crying and got flooded. Yeah, bye. Just kind of seems like evil lurked there. So maybe it was a good thing that it got flooded. But if you think about it that way, and the fact that Lake Lanier, and I'll get to it in a moment, doesn't have the greatest reputation, it kind of makes sense that like an evil town submerged under a body of water might have some negative juju. Yeah. Where is Lake Lanier situated in Georgia? It's 42 miles north of Atlanta. And for those who are curious and want to see what remains of Oscarville now, you can still kind of visit it, depending on the water levels of the lake. I was going to say, was scuba diving? Well, scuba diving or remnants of the town were seen between 2000 and 2009 due to the lake's water level being low. But honestly, I said good riddance. And if I saw any of that town, I would just take a sledgehammer to it. It's like kind of eerie, though, to see like... A town oh, come out of a lake. There's yeah. the old general store poking out. Like Now, in my research, I did learn that like they tried to take some stuff out, but I don't think they did a really good job of it because you can still see like a lot of 
what they flooded underneath the lake. Oh yeah. Well, just to give you a visual, I'm, I'm imagining like a full on town underwater. So I'm going to be very disappointed when that's not it. They flooded it in 1956. It's 2022. And a lot of things were built out of wood. So okay, besides obviously, you know, decomposition over the years. But yeah, there's, there's actually an entire speedway like that people were using to race on that got submerged underneath the lake. Mm-hmm. And parts of it were poking out when, like, the water levels lowered. That's cool. Yeah. Ah, creepy. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, cool. It's cool to see. It's like, oh, man, there used to be a town here. Other than it being important history and backstory for what I'm going to tell you more about Lake Lanier, why are we talking about this today? Because we are a spooky, you know, weird, obscure podcast. So telling you about a racist old town. Not, I mean, it's kind of on brand. It's on brand for us. Let's not, let's not lie. But <laughs> let's get back to the lake. Lake Lanier is said to be haunted, majorly haunted, with an evil ghost town underneath it. Who would be surprised? But that's not the only reasoning behind it. Let's get back to the cemeteries. I told you they had to move like about 20 cemeteries. Well, they very likely didn't get all the cemeteries. And that is basically because of a few different reasons. One, slavery, two, really bad record keeping, and three, a decent amount of racism. So if you remember, I told you that the Cherokee Nation lived there. They didn't have records on where they buried their dead. Then they're also a rural area for the most part. And in rural areas, I even see this here in Maryland where Rachel and I are located. There are tiny little graveyards for families on on old farmland. That's not really being recorded in like national records because it's our private family cemetery next to our farmhouse on our farmland. And then to the racism, you saw how they treated people of color twice in history. What makes you think they're going specifically to dig up the remains of these people to transfer them to new cemeteries if they didn't give a crap about these people when they were alive? And there's no one left there family-wise because they've all been driven out of town to be like, hey, you need to relocate my family cemetery. Yep, that place is haunted as fuck. Yeah. I just had a thought about this submerged town because there's also, there are these uh, railroad tracks in Cape May, New Jersey, known as the ghost tracks. And they appear every so often when the tides are low enough. And so you can see these old railroad tracks right along the beach. And it's just as eerie as like seeing parts of the town, like poking up through the water. You can see these old ghost tracks from the railway that used to be there. So they're on the beach? They're on the beach. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. They just showed up a couple of weeks ago. So they show up about like once or twice a year. Huh. I haven't seen them in person, but I like people always post pictures like every summer. They'll be like, oh, the ghost tracks are here. It's so interesting to me that someone would build a railroad next to the ocean. I'm guessing it used to not be next to the ocean. And then because of erosion, now it's next to the ocean. That's my guess. If I had an unlimited amount of money, I would just fuck around with people like that. I would like literally build stuff in like the most random places. And they'd be like, why are there railroad tracks on the beach? Like, why did they lead to nowhere? (laughs) Like, why? But maybe it's a bridge. Maybe it was like a bridge and then it. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they wanted to flood the tracks and they needed, they were like trying to undo erosion. All right. Full disclosure, listeners, we had to pause recording for a second. And in that moment, 
Rachel took it upon herself to get some more, to do some more research on the ghost tracks. So real quick pause from Lake Lanier and let Rachel talk about the ghost <laughs> Listen, tracks. This is called podcast hosting on the fly. Right? <laughs> I, I did not, I did not prepare my notes, but I just, I just found them. <laughs> so let me tell you about these ghost tracks. <laughs> Cause this is what the submerged town reminded me of. It was like, this reminds me of the railroad tracks. So they were first uncovered in 2014, like for the first time in years. And they were used in the early to mid 1900s for sand mining and munitions testing during World War One because they wanted the sand to crush it down for like concrete and stuff like that. So they had the railroad there because like that's where the sand was. Also, apparently right down the right down the island from here, there's like a sunken ship that you can see a little piece sticking out. Also like the sunken town. Hmm. Yeah. So there's like a sunken ship you can see part of. But yeah, these tracks were used to take sand for cement and glass making. And then Kate May was like, all right, y'all are taking all our sand. So we're done with this. And then they just dumped sand on the railroad tracks. And now, (laughs) just like they dumped water in the town, they dumped sand on the railroad tracks. And now they're only seeing like Every couple of years, you know, when there's a big storm and they're unearthed and until Cape May, you know, dumps some more sand on them to cover them up to the next storm. Hmm. Yeah. So there you go. That's all I got on the railroad tracks. I do not have number facts about how long they are or, (laughs) (laughs) but a brief history, if you will. Nice. Yeah. So this sunken ship that's right off the coast of Sunset Beach, right up the the beach from um, these railroad tracks. Apparently it was like frozen over. The water was frozen over enough in what year was this? 2018. Hmm. That people were like walking up to the ship to like inspect it closer. I mean, everybody was "Mm, probably not the best idea because we don't want you to, you know, fall through. But that's what one of these articles that I'm sending you is like how these people were walking up to inspect the sunken ship. Yeah, everybody. So because Rachel did podcasting on the fly. We will have her sources in our description as well. <laughs> Very impressed, Rachel, actually. It took me about three hours to do my notes. So the fact that you just came up with a mini segment in like a matter of moments, well done. <laughs> Thanks. I try. Yep. Get to overachieve in everything you do, don't you? I, I, I try, you know. <laughs> now back to the lake. So since its creation in the mid-50s, over 200 people have died on its waterways in swimming and boating accidents. It's got like a pretty high mortality rate. Some years the lake can see over 20 plus deaths on the water. Wow. And just to add in an especially creepy, you know, touch, not all the bodies have been recovered. So not only is there like buried cemeteries underneath the water, but there's like actually people who died after the area was flooded and their bodies have not been recovered. So now that we've done some history, let's get into the curse of the lake. Because the lake is famous for its unusually high body count, many urban legends slash strange occurrences have surfaced around it. So let's start with the strange occurrences. Number one. And the first one is a quick one. It is rumored that if you park too close to the lake, you can be dragged, aka slide, into the waters by the spirits of the lake. My question around this one is how close are these people parking to the lake and also erosion? Also, there's no, like, they don't have this fenced in or, like, gated at all. No, apparently your car can just fly into the lake if you park too closely. It's also amazing to me they haven't invested in that yet. 
again, this is like not a place that was designed no for recreation. I know, but no one's like sued yet. I guess they're not supposed to be. So if they were to like try to sue them, they'd be like, well, you're not supposed to be there anyway. Well, that's but... not. Okay. So maybe I'm misrepresenting the information. They do have campgrounds and recreation spots around the lake, but the lake wasn't designed to have that. So like after the fact, they were like, let's make some money by making this a park. They actually have resorts around the lake. Okay, so they are, they are encouraging this. Okay. Yes. It was never designed to be a recreational place. But so they people, are, after the fact, was like, yeah, I'm going to make money off. They're making of, a poor choice by encouraging this. Correct. Also, Georgia, I feel like you'd be, there'd be a lot of wildlife you'd have to worry about. I don't know. When I went to Georgia, like the biggest thing I saw was a rabbit. Yeah, but around the, like, so I guess just snakes and stuff. Do they have alligators in Georgia? 200 to 250,000 alligators in the state of Georgia. So this is just another reason why you shouldn't go near this lake. What if it's full of alligators? (laughs) There are a lot of fucking alligators that could be in this lake ready to eat somebody, but they're still encouraging recreation, which is concerning. Oh, it's about to be way more concerning. (laughs) I guess nobody died of an alligator that we know of yet. No, actually, I didn't research. I mean, in any of my research, I didn't hear anything about an alligator. All right. Okay. But remember, this is like northern Georgia. So maybe no alligators up there. Maybe not that far north. I don't know much about Georgia climate, but I know when it gets cold, alligators don't actually really like that. So is it alligators or crocodiles? No, it's alligators. Okay. It's alligators. I mean, America does have crocs, but not as many as alligators. Guess what? All right. I'm going to send this to you. This is an alligator fact sheet. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So they occur from the southern tip of Texas to the northeastern part of North Carolina. So yes, there could be. Oh God, that's terrifying. Alligators. I'm so glad we live in Maryland. I don't, I don't, I have enough problems. I don't want to have to worry about alligators. Like we have bears. I don't want to deal with alligators and bears. That's too much. That's wild. We have raccoons. But they really, they favor marshes, swamps, rivers, farm ponds, and lakes, lakes in the wild. So maybe they know that it's a man-made lake and they're like, fuck that. Maybe they sense the evil and they're like, absolutely not. The second one is boats hitting mysterious things and capsizing in the water. And when people go back to look to see what they hit, they don't find anything. Now, this one, I like kind of half believe because if they flooded an entire town, a ton of woods, like forests and stuff, and they even flooded a speedway and didn't really move too much out of it out of the way, like you could hit anything in the water, right? Especially about the water levels. Yeah, I think this one's believable. but. If you go back and you don't see anything. Yeah, it's a ghost town. It's just also like operating wherever it was, right? I mean, maybe. This one's a little bit kind of like, I could kind of believe it, but also kind of couldn't believe it. Like, I don't know. (laughs) The other side of it is like, a lot of times when I hear things about people seeing stuff on lakes and bodies of water, like, how often are you on like a body of water having a beer? Right. And also this is a reservoir. It's not where like um, crystal clear water's off (laughs) the Caribbean like how far deep are you able to see I'm just saying they're probably hitting an old building or something and they're like yeah what was that I didn't see anything and I went back and yeah it's not my fault it was ghost (laughs) and it's like actually like muddy water and they've like down to six pack already yeah pretty much 
Next one is reported occurrences of rogue waves that just come out of nowhere and capsize boats and then suddenly disappear. And I know very little about rogue waves and even less about waves on a lake, but I have been to a lake and the only waves I've ever seen have been from another boat. Now, to be fair, when I was in Michigan and I was with the Great Lakes, there were waves, like the body of water was big enough. But I have the feeling that this lake is not big enough for its own waves, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I I never really thought about that. And the waves I saw in the lakes up in Michigan were nowhere big enough to capsize a boat. Well, apparently waves on lakes are called wind-driven or surface waves. She's doing more research, everybody. I am. <laughs> I just need to know. Rachel is real-time fact-checking me right now. <laughs> Well, because I know you did research about lake lake waves. So I was like, <laughs> I'm going to do it for them. you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Like, There's uh, only so much research one can do, you know? You're a research assistant. <laughs> much appreciated. I, I am. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's weird to think about waves on a lake. My other thought is like, how big was the boat? Do you consider a kayak a boat? That kind of situation. And then the other side of it is, were those people equipped to deal with a wave? Right. Because like, were they just on like a kayak or something? Like, what if you're taking a nap on a, like a flotation device and you consider it a <gasps> boat and oh, like yeah. a tiny wave come gets you? You know, I don't know. Awful. I don't know the details here. I don't know how boating works. Listeners, if you know how boating works, send me an email. Wait, what do you mean by how boating works? Like how waves and boats work. Okay, well. EO the podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> The only people who ever email us are like asking for merch or like trying to get my <laughs> stuff. So, oh, by the way, listeners, we have new merch coming in. So not only do we have Woo-hoo! stickers, we're going to have magnets and we have keychains. And as always, merch is free. So email us at eothepodcast at gmail.com and we will mail you free merch. That's so exciting. This is my first time hearing about the new merch. Another strange occurrence about the lake is that many of its drownings happen very close to shore in calm water conditions and to people who are considered, quote unquote, strong swimmers. For those who almost drowned, there are reports of feeling like something beneath the water was dragging them down, like invisible hands had grabbed them and were pulling them down. Mm, Haunted. Definitely haunted. So now let's talk about the urban legends. Number one. The Lady of the Lake. Yes. Not the one from Camelot. Different one. There's a lot of ladies of the lake, you know. Yeah, it's like a saying that people just get really attached to. It is. In April of, and we're going back into the sad place. Uh So in April of 1958, only a short two years after the lake's completion, Delia Mae Parker Young and Susie Roberts were traveling to a local roadhouse called the Three Gables, which, by the way, the name of the Three Gables is a nod to Sherlock Holmes. Also, a roadhouse is basically a tavern if you're like me and had a moment of self-doubt and had to quickly Google it, which I did. Susie was driving and she had a fairly new car. She had a 1954 Ford, so it was only four years old. As the car was crossing the Lanier Bridge, Susie lost control of the car and crashed off the right side of the bridge into 90 feet of water. Someone saw the skid marks, reported the crash, and divers went into the lake to see if they could locate the car or an occupant. Neither the car or the two women were found. Fast forward a year later, a body surfaces on the lake, missing both hands and several toes. Authorities examined the body and could not find an obvious cause of death, nor were they able to identify it. Fast forward another 31 years. 
In November of 1990, the Ford was finally found in the lake bed after the lake bed was dredged in preparation to build a new Lanier bridge. Susie's remains were found in the car and behind the wheel. It was then concluded that the remains in 1959 were likely Delia. The car was found on a steep underwater slope surrounded by the tree trunks that some of them had been cut because, you know, they're trying to like flood the area. I have a feeling some of them were still mostly intact. After this car careened off into the lake, like no one fucking checked the lake. No, the divers went in and they couldn't find the car. They didn't see the car. They didn't see the car because what had happened was after they hit the 90 feet of water, they went down into like a ditch. Okay. All right. People after that had seen a woman wearing a blue dress on Lanier Bridge. It's unclear if it was the old bridge or the new bridge because they just dredged the water and found the remains of Susie. But the person walking up and down the bridge has reportedly been seen without hands. So my thought is that it might have been her passenger. Yeah. And so that person is called the Lady of the Lake, even though they're not actually in the lake. They're on a bridge, but. They appear appear like on the new bridge, right? Like not like midair where the old bridge would be. (laughs) I didn't get a ton of details. Damn it. Urban legend number two, a mysterious raft has been seen floating on the lake at night. And the figure pushing it alone is using a pole to like drag into the ground and move themselves forward, which is like not too abnormal. They're punting. Yeah. When you're talking about a lake. However, when this person has been seen, they are in areas where the lake is basically impossible to be navigated that way. Mm. We're talking about 40 feet, 45 feet of water. That'd be a long pole. Yeah. This figure is also reported to appear and disappear randomly as ghosts do. I want to imagine it as like a skeleton, but I know that that's not correct. So when I did my research, all I read was a shadowy figure. Mm-hmm. Probably not a skeleton. It's okay. I'll just lay my imagination. Yeah. I mean, let your imagination <laughs> go wild. There are other articles that stated there were more urban legends, but I didn't find like any like legitimate stories. So I'm just going to leave it at those two. To end this all out, nowadays, the lake is not only a popular tourist attraction and vacation spot, like people go there for numerous days. They're like, yeah, I'm going to risk my life day after day. They built hotels around it. They asked for it. Yep. And it's also a huge moneymaker for the state of Georgia, bringing the state $5.5 billion in economic impact since 1957. Wow. A reported 8 million visitors visit the lake annually and enjoy its 68 parks, recreation areas, campsites, restaurants, boating stuff. I got bored after I read the rest of the list. Basically all the stuff that you would do at a lake. Capitalism at its finest. It doesn't matter if it wasn't built for you to do any kind of recreation. We're going to allow you to do it anyway, and then you're going to pay us for it. Yep. So... After all that information, I'm going to ask you the question. Do you think Lake Lanier is haunted? Um, sure. I don't know. You know, I believe in ghosts. Like, it doesn't bother me when things are haunted. That's actually part of the allure for me. So <laughs> I'm like, cool. Like, <laughs> my current apartment, I'm so sad about, as you know, I was very sad when I moved in because it was built in 1875. And I was like, awesome. Probably going to be haunted. It is not haunted. And I was sorely disappointed. I was like, I was prepared for this. 
<laughs> so She's ready to be haunted. Yeah, I was like, I'm ready to have a ghost friend. So like Lake Lanier, I don't know. Sure, it's haunted. Would I visit it? Mm, I wouldn't seek it out. But if someone was like, hey, want to stay at Lake Lanier for free? I'd be like, sure. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go. I know you wouldn't. Boo. You know what I'm about. And I, I'm not about being haunted or any other <laughs> any other shenanigans shenanigans when it comes to do it on purpose I mean well they could do it on purpose but like in general it's like those are just there because they had a a traumatic life so I'm gonna end my segment by talking about someone who actively scuba dived in Lake Lanier and they said well okay so I'm gonna talk about two different people one said they saw catfish as big as like boats like you could accidentally like swim into the mouth of a catfish there's no, there's no proof of this. That's terrifying. That is absolutely horrifying. And the second a diver that I want to kind of quote, but not actually officially quote, is an individual who said, sometimes in the murkiest of water, this is a paraphrasing, I would reach out and it would feel like I was touching a limb, but the limb was not moving. So like he felt like he was in like this weird ass graveyard and he could just feel a, a limb. And then when went to look for it, nothing there. Ew. Do you think the bodies floated up from the graves? In New Orleans, they actually have above ground. I know. Because of flooding and the bodies can just float out. So they have above ground burial sites. I know that. Oh, my god! And gosh. so they flooded a whole bunch of ancient cemeteries. What do you expect to happen? So to go back to your <laughs> to answer your question, do I think Lake Lanier is haunted? Yes, sure. But also, like, when you think about all the all those graves. It is absolutely. I knew before you told me any stories, it was haunted. You can't just, you can't mess with people, people's graves and then not expect ghosts after that. Yeah. And if you think about all the evil that's happened there, like even if you are not dealing with an actual person's spirit, I believe in like the greater power. And I'm going to say like something is haunting the shit out of there and it might not even be a human. It might be like a demon or some shit like that. Yep. The demon of Lake Lanier. (laughs) Don't worry. They're totally going to capitalize on it. There's going to be tours and a hotel stay. And more people will die. Uh Anyway, so I'm going to close this out. So if you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us at eothepodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at Encyclopedia Obscura. So message us and let us know your weird, mysterious, or obscure ideas for a future episode. That's it for today. I'm Casey. And I'm Rachel. Thanks for listening. Bye.